This is the story about... I want to do it too. Okay, one, two. This is Precious Lives. Stories about kids. Teens. Guns. Guns. Yeah, we end the violence. Bye-bye. Because, because we are precious. Because we are precious. This is Precious Lives. I'm Aisha Turner, producer of Precious Lives. Each week, as I'm out reporting, I drive around with the same question. How did we get here? We know that last year, 84% of Milwaukee's homicide victims were black. We know that gun violence is associated with socioeconomic status. And we know that black people tend to be poorer than other groups. But how did we get to that point in the first place? What historical forces have shaped Milwaukee's black community and possibly contributed to the violence we see today? It would be hard to fully answer that question in one radio story. But if there's any place to start, it'd be the barbershop. For generations, it's been where black men go to get a shape up, to shoot the you-know-what, and to tell stories about the past. When I walk into one barbershop on 27th and Atkinson, it feels like I've stepped into my grandparents' den. The Steve Harvey show plays on a TV in the corner. Newspapers pile up on a card table in the center of the room. Black and white photographs line the wall. Uh, Dizzy Gillespie, Miles Davis, Coltrane. William Campbell, also known as Monk, is a jazz fanatic. He owns the place. He's taking it easy on a rainy afternoon. At 81, he's not interested in the hustle anymore. Just do enough to stay and pay my bills. The men around him aren't in much of a rush either. Monk's is a place to chill, catch up, vent about the younger generation. The kids today are angry. Where is that coming from? It's, there's no respect no more. When it's time to work, Monk makes his way to the barber chairs behind a wooden partition. His client, Alan Walker, takes a seat. Well, I come to just visit now and then, but you know, usually, you see, I don't have no hair. I just started growing a few months ago about beard. So, what? see, I, I trust him. If I didn't, he wouldn't be doing this. He still got a steady. Yeah. He, he still got a steady hand. Kind of steady. Hey, watch it now. Don't mess up. <laughs> Monk lifts his hand to start a straight razor shave. Still steady. Monk's clients have been coming to him since they were kids. I raised up three generations of people. They was coming here when their mamas brought them here. And they in their 40s and 30s and 50s. <laughs> it's crazy. Make me feel old. Monk did a stint in the Air Force during the Korean War. When he returned to Milwaukee, he got a job on Walnut Street at a shop called Mildred's. A sketch of the old neighborhood hangs on his wall. On Walnut Street, was right down there, close to the Bucks, close to the market. Uh, the Green Bay Packers used to come over here and get their haircuts at my shop. I should have took more pictures there. He points to a faded photo. Uh, but that little picture between uh, Lionel Hampton and Art Tatum. These are the real, the real Green Bay Packers here. When Vince Lombardi was here. His client list also included baseball players. 42, what's his name? First black man in, in, in baseball. Jackie Robinson? Yes. He, you cut his hair? He's been in the, yes. When Monk was coming up, Walnut Street was the heart of the black business district. We had taverns, we had uh, haberdasheries, we had uh, restaurants, we had everything, and we lived in our neighborhood. We, all the money, the money was doing this. He makes a circular motion with his fingers. It was going around and around. 
a lot of people work for black people, didn't have to work for white folks. And, and, and we had our own economic thing to a certain degree. When they destroyed Walnut Street, it destroyed the, the, the economic thing. In the late 1960s, Milwaukee began building a highway. The highway is between 7th Street, it goes down. They took away 8th Street, 9th Street, 10th Street, 11th Street, 12th Street, and nothing's never been built back there. But they uprooted all of the businesses. I think they did that to destroy the black economics of the city. Now, all that's left of Mildred's is Monk's nostalgia. Everything that was on the north side of the street is nothing. Monk got a veteran's loan and opened his own shop on Green Bay Avenue. After a few years, the city launched another revitalization effort. They gave Monk a small amount of money to pack up and head out. In 1981, Monk moved to Garden Homes. He recreated the community he had back on Walnut. Clients followed Monk from shop to shop. Cleo Gregory says that when he was a kid, the men hanging out at Monk's were role models. You've seen working people. You know, you're around men that worked all the time, so didn't have a desire to go hanging out with somebody bad or anything like that. So you had people encouraging to do well in school and things like that. I still give little boys a young man. When they come in and they got good report cards, I give them $5 or whatever. Back when Monk first moved to Garden Homes, his clients had good jobs in the industrial sector. Businesses like A.O. Smith, Crucible Steel, and the Falk Electric Corporation kept things booming. I ended up working at Falk for 45 years. When they were having layoffs, I survived all of those things in the 80s and things like that. Most people didn't make it through all the layoffs in the 80s. He's an exceptional boy. These days, things are slower. There are more boarded up homes, more drug dealing, and more barbershops. The barbershop shop here, barbershop there, barbershop there. They keep springing up as other economic opportunities fade. Plus, more men are spending time in prison. Barbering is often one of the few skills they emerge with. But even those businesses can be hard to maintain. There's one down the street here. Guy set it up real sharp. I think he was in business for about six months to nine months. He went out of business. Because all around him, all around him is barbershops. Uh, yes, sir. A stocky young man pops in. How you doing, sir? Fine. He wants to borrow a monk's wheelchair ramp. Hey, can I use this ramp? Go ahead. <laughs> you can use the ramp. Okay. He takes the ramp two doors down to another barbershop. He needs it for his dad, a casualty of the city's more violent climate. His father was sitting out there in the truck, and they were arguing over a lady. And the guy come by and walked up to the truck and shot him in the truck, just a little bit south of the shop. And the bullet came through the window. What do you do when that happens? Sit here. It don't bother me. Monk says that kind of stuff only happens every few years. As the shop closes, people keep trickling in. A box of white wine is now out on the table. It's after hours. Older men continue to hand out wisdom. See, you young people, you have a much better chance than me and this man has. And, and you, you, you're not limited to where you, you can, go. You can become president of the United States. <laughs> then a woman walks into the shop full of men. Tears cover her face. Oh, it just hurts. God got me with it hurts. I'm not a superwoman, but it hurts. 
Her son was killed a few weeks back. The men Monk raised hold her up. They're trying to keep her strong. Even after the razors have been put away, monks will stay open as long as needed for a good conversation, a game of cards, or some comfort in rough times. And one quick note, this story was co-reported by Emily Foreman. Precious Lives is produced by 371 Productions in association with WUWM, WNOV, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, and the Wisconsin Center for Investigative Journalism. We're supported by the Isabel and Alfred Bader Fund and the Greater Milwaukee Foundation. Music by Kiran Veed.